Well, I need to talk today to the listeners about this ongoing, continuing conversation on the Holy Spirit of the Lord. This is a very important time, beloved people. Uh, yesterday we saw very, very important information and important understanding and unveiling about the Holy Spirit. The Lord brought to you people a great understanding on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. And yesterday um, we saw that in His work, the Holy Spirit was involved in creation. Right at creation, the Holy Spirit Himself was involved. He was involved in the process of creation, beloved people. And we saw that He is the most important gift that the church and the earth ever received, owing to his role and many other things about him and on how the Christian salvation is executed, the operations of the church, that the Holy Spirit is really very central. Because we saw yesterday that the Holy Spirit was involved in creation, and we saw that the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters, the deep, during the dark time when the earth was still in darkness, complete absolute darkness. And uh, we don't know how long that happened. We don't know how long that took place, the hovering of the Spirit of the Lord over the water in the darkness. And the earth was formless at that time. And then we also saw, precious people, that the Holy Spirit is the one who brought us Christ Jesus to the earth. In other words, the incarnation of Christ Jesus the Messiah. And we equally saw that upon bringing the Messiah into the landscape, into the sin, the Holy Spirit also revealed Christ the Messiah to Israel and by extension to all the nations. He revealed Christ the Messiah at the Jordan River during baptism when the Spirit of the Lord descended from heaven. Heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended from heaven and came and lighted on him, did light on him, essentially endorsing him, approving of him, identifying him, revealing him to Israel and to humanity. And we saw also that the Holy Spirit actually baptized Jesus. He is the one who baptized Jesus. That is just the enormity of the authority he has, that he could baptize Jesus. After John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the water, the Holy Spirit baptized him with fire. Then after that, we also saw that the Holy Spirit is the one that anointed and empowered Christ Jesus to do his public ministry and led him right away into the wilderness, we all know this now, to be tempted, to be seasoned, that he may be seasoned there, that he may go through prayer and fasting and overcome, overcome the world from there. And we equally saw 
that the Holy Spirit is the one that helped him travel at the Garden of Gethsemane and hence led him to the cross and he was crucified. It is the Holy Spirit that crucified our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because he wanted him to accomplish the mission for which he had been sent to redeem all men from sin. And the same Holy Spirit is now the one that resurrected Jesus Christ Jesus the Lord when he died and then uh, after that the Holy Spirit led Jesus Christ Jesus to the slopes of the Mount of Olives until he faced a little bit of the eastern slopes and then he raptured him it is the Holy Spirit that raptured him back into heaven and we have also seen yesterday in that conversation about the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit we saw that he has come now and he is preparing the bride of Christ at this hour by teaching the truth and purging the dross of sin from the church, from the hearts of the Christian believers and then establishing the truth, revealing the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, convicting mankind, the thing, revealing things that are coming. Those revealing what is coming, the coming of the kingdom of God, the coming of the judgment to the earth and all this. So the Holy Spirit is right now very central in the preparing of the perfect and the glorious bride of Christ. We also saw that the Holy Spirit is the one who is so powerful, very, very powerful as to restrain the dominion of darkness, the coming of the Antichrist ever since the primitive church until now. The book of Second Thessalonians chapter 2, all that scripture you see that talks about how the Holy Spirit is restraining, is holding back the Antichrist until the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way, away from this place. That is when the Antichrist will be revealed and the tribulation begins and the great tribulation commences. And so we see very clearly that the Holy Spirit is very powerful because he's restraining the dominion of darkness, the person of the Antichrist, until now, since then, has not been revealed. So he has been so effective and so successful and so excellent in restraining him back, in causing him not to be revealed at the wrong time, causing him to be revealed when the proper time arrives. And that is astounding, we say, because he's holding him back everywhere across the entire face of the earth and the universe and he's doing so every second, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, every month, every year, forever like that until the time comes when the rapture takes place and the Spirit of the Lord is taken away with the Holy Church that is the Holy Habitation of the Holy Spirit. And we feel that he is the one also that brought the mighty prophet Elijah that is promised in the book of Malachi, chapter 4, verses 4, all the way to verse 5. And we see that he is the one who inaugurated also the two dreadful witnesses that uh, on January 1, the year 2009, at Buhungu Stadium, when he came to identify, to reveal them to the earth, to identify them. And we know that he's the one empowering them, the many cripples walking here, 633 cripples walking to 121 blind eyes open, 340 deaf ears, 
Zoan and Karin. Then my dear Zoan will run to the church. However, today, beloved people, I want to continue this conversation by looking at the person of the Holy Spirit, to dig deeper, knowing Him, knowing the Holy Spirit. What more is there for the church to know about the Holy Spirit? That's what I want to bring to your attention, beloved people. The Holy Spirit is a tremendous centerpiece of the church. Tremendous centerpiece of Christian salvation, of the Christian salvation that our Lord Jesus brought to us. And so it is very important for us to be acquainted with Him, to get no deeper things about Him, that we may relate very well and honorably with Him in a way that befits Him and befits the salvation we so profess. And so today I want to look at the Holy Spirit. And I want to mention this right from the onset that the Holy Spirit is God. Beloved people, the Holy Spirit is God. I know many times you talk about the outpour, the anointing, and you may miss out on the point. The Holy Spirit himself is God. The Holy Spirit is actually Jehovah God. He is Jehovah God himself. Because he is the third person of the triune God in the Trinity of the Godhead. And God the Holy Spirit, blessed people, has been in the Trinity way before time began, before the beginning of time. So the Holy Spirit has been with God the Father and God the Son for many, many, many years eternal before time began, before the beginning of time. And what is it now that in the Bible can tell us, can point to us that the Holy Spirit, He is God. And remember, He is masculine, and He is the only one of the three members of the triunity of God that has two address titles, two titles for addressing him. One time they address him as it, and one time they address him as he. And you know the reason they address him as it, because sometimes he comes as this white, glorious, dove, innocent and humble, and, you know, the pure, glorious dove that comes from heaven, like a dove, meaning he is not a dove simply like a dove. But uh, to roll us off right away, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as being God. And that's what I want us to look at. How can we tell that He is God? The book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, right away, beloved people. You see from Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 right away, that the Holy Spirit, He is God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. The Holy Spirit, He is God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, I'm reading King James, He says, And the earth was without form, and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. That is the 
moved upon the surface of the water. So you see, he's being addressed as God here, the Spirit of God, beloved people. And if you look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, the breath that was breathed into the nostrils of Adam, then he says, Then the Lord God formed man, is amplified, from the dust of the earth, the dust of the ground, and, and breathed into his nostrils the breath and spirit of life. And then man became a living thing. You see that? So the Holy Spirit is the life that God breathed. He is the life at creation. I'm still handling one thing. The evidence that the Holy Spirit is God, and I'm handling the Holy Spirit at creation, and you see in verse 7, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, He was actually involved, and He is involved in giving life to man. Even Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4, he has life. He is the life-giving spirit of the Godhead. He has life. He gives life. The book of Psalm 33, precious people, Psalm 33, verse 6, still at creation. Psalm 33, verse 6, by the word of the Lord, where the heavens made and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. So you see again, he's talking about the role of the Holy Spirit of creation. I'm reading NIV here. By the word of the Lord, where the heavens made, they are starry horse by the breath of his mouth. I'm reading Amplified here. By the word of the Lord, where the heavens made, and all their hosts by the breath of his mouth, and he gives scripture. Number two, other than getting involved at creation, in creation, the Holy Spirit is God, because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit passes the judgment of God. The Holy Spirit passes the judgment of God. And I want to refer you to this tremendous vision of September 27th, the year 2005, when I was at Mbea, Tanzania. Done the first conference in Tanzania at Mbea. And uh, at Dodoma and Mbea. And this is what happened. That night, when we arrived at Mbea, then as I fell asleep, the Lord now showed me the heavens open. And when heaven opened, I could see the white glorious dove that came down from heaven, descended, <laughs> coming down, flapping the wings. But when he came, he stopped up above the earth. I could see him where he stopped from. And then I realized that his feet, his feet were carrying a pure white cup, a pure white glorious cup. Then after that, when he was aware that I have looked at him, then he poured that cup to the earth. That is the cup of the wrath of God, beloved people. And then at that very time, I then saw the dream now. The Lord showed me the rain 
nuclear war. The nuclear war that is going to take place between Iran and Israel and the United States. I saw the two missiles that left from an aircraft, an Israeli aircraft, and they are spinning. Their tail looks like copper. They spin anti-clockwise, the tail. And they're going to strike the nuclear facility at the foot of the mountain in a desert. I think that I have always looked for that. I've traced it and I've found that made in Natanz, Natanz nuclear power station. But the fire that came from there was totally nuclear. That's the biggest explosion the earth has ever seen, including the sticks of fire, the flames. So this is what I saw. So for me, I relate very closely and very differently with the Holy Spirit because I could see him coming down and speaking to me in this form and begin to give the prophecy about the war coming and so forth. So the Holy Spirit is God because he actually pronounces the judgment of God. The Holy Spirit actually pronounces the wrath of God. The Holy Spirit does unleash the wrath of God. That's just how powerful He is. And I want to look at the book of Acts chapter 5, just to emphasize that the Holy Spirit passes judgment. The book of Acts chapter 5, beloved people, from verse 1. This is what He says, precious people. The book of Acts, Chapter 5, 43. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet, at the feet of the apostles, in other words. Verse 3. He says, Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? Didn't it belong to you? In other words, wasn't it your land? And then, before it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to man, but to God. And we all know what happened after that. What happened is that uh, Ananiah... And Sapphira died. Ananiah died, and then Sapphira, the wife, came and also died for this lie. But he's saying that lying to the Holy Spirit essentially meant lying to God. So that is a very powerful proof in the Bible that the Holy Spirit is actually God. So, I, like I shared with you, for me, I see a bit very far and deeper because the Holy Spirit relates with me. He comes down from heaven as dove. Remember, when he comes down, that is Jehovah Yahweh that is coming down. And remember, any member of the Godhead never comes down alone. So it's always a complete entourage with trumpet men. And so we see very clearly from this uh, tragedy of Ananias and Sapphira lying before the Holy Spirit 
not knowing they were lying to God himself, not knowing that the Holy Spirit is actually God, is God Jehovah Yahweh. But we see very clearly that in that process, the Lord is saying that no one can blaspheme his name and survive. That no one can blaspheme his person and live. That no one can blaspheme his work be in that he says that there is no pardon for those that abuse the Holy Spirit or blaspheme him. There is no pardon in the blood of Jesus. There is no provision for any pardon for them in the blood of Jesus. Neither is there any provision for pardon for anybody that blasphemes the Holy Spirit. There is no provision for pardon at the Calvary cross. And there is no provision for forgiveness in the covenant of the grace. It is an eternal sin when one blasphemes the Holy Spirit. It's an irredeemable sin, an eternal sin. In the book of Mark, as I read now, the book of Mark, Mark chapter 3, verses 28 to 30, and it says, I tell you the truth, all the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. That's a tremendous situation. That is a fearful moment. He said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. In other words, he used an evil spirit to do the miracle he did. That time he just opened the eyes of a blind person. So, this is amazing, precious people. That you can commit sin, any sin and be forgiven, but whosoever touches on the Holy Spirit and blasphemes the Holy Spirit, he wants here that there is no provision in the covenant of the grace or in the blood of Jesus or the cross at Calvary for forgiveness to those who have blasphemed and abused the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Continuing with that, we see very clearly, beloved people, that in the book of Second Peter, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21, you see that in the days of old, in the days of old, the prophets of God were empowered and navigated by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that always navigated the prophets of Jehovah. So Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21. This is what it says. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21. It says, For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So they actually spoke from God. So you see, it's very mighty. 
that when the Holy Spirit led the prophets in the Bible, then it is God who spoke to them. So when the Holy Spirit spoke to them, it's God that spoke to them. When the Holy Spirit led them, it is God himself that was leading them. That's yet another proof that the Holy Spirit of Jehovah is God. And we are opening up bit by bit, beloved people. Second Samuel chapter 23. Second Samuel 23. Verses 2 to 3. Second Samuel 23. 2 to 3 says the following. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, when one rules over man in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he is like a light in the morning at sunrise. And he goes on and on. But the point I wanted to bring to you, beloved people here, is the fact that the Spirit of the Lord, when he spoke through them, when he spoke, the Spirit of the Lord spoke through the prophet of the Lord, then it was essentially the word of God, God's speaking now to the land through the prophet. And this is very powerful because this is yet another proof in the Bible that the Holy Spirit, He is God. And the Holy Spirit is very central, as you can see. Now He's involved in navigating the prophet and in the operations of the ministry of the prophet. And we see very clearly in the book of First Corinthians chapter 6, as we saw yesterday, verses 19 to 20, when he says that you are the temple. Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? And then he says that you are the temple of God, of God himself. So you see, the temple of the Holy Spirit is the temple of God. That means the Holy Spirit, he is God. First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. How about John chapter 3, verse 5, where Jesus gives us a direction here about the Holy Spirit and the salvation of the grace that he brought. He gives us a powerful instruction here, a powerful pointer on the salvation he brought and the relevance of the Holy Spirit in that salvation. So John chapter 3, verse 5, this is what he says, beloved people. John 3, 5, he says, Jesus answered, when Jesus was talking about the dispensation of the grace, the gospel of the grace he had brought, John 3, 5, beloved people, I start from 4 to open up a little bit. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb. But remember the question that Nicodemus had laid before Jesus was how can one enter the glorious kingdom of God? That was the question he had laid before the Lord, you see, in verse 3 there. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So now, the Lord Jesus, in presenting forth the gospel of the grace that he brought, the covenant of the grace, he says, no one can see the glorious kingdom of Jehovah except that that person is born again. And then in the process, he expounds now further in verse 5. He says, and Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, 
no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Meaning even the salvation that brings us to heaven, the salvation of the covenant of the grace that Jesus delivered to the church. That salvation, even if you were to take it, without the Holy Spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He says, it is the Holy Spirit that births forth that salvation. No wonder even the church, we see very clearly that the day of Pentecost was the first anniversary, the birthday anniversary of the church. That was the day the church was birthed out after the cross. Then now the church was birthed out at Pentecost. So he's saying that the Holy Spirit, He is God, because He's so central, even in the salvation of Christ Jesus, and in terms of entry to the kingdom of God, He determines that entry. It's very amazing that even the one that speaks with you, I remember in Chogoria, that was in Chogoria, that night when the Lord handed down from heaven a golden key and placed on my hand, my right hand and my left hand also held it, a huge golden key. And I kept announcing globally from that point on that I have seen the golden key of heaven. The Lord has handed down unto me the key that opens and shuts heaven. And then you see now He can open heaven, rain can come down, even in a broad sunny summer day. Even He walks just to a place like recently in Nakuru. He only gave the prophecy, I think, a few months ago. But he walked into the tent and it rained in the tent. That golden key, even he that speaks with you, that key is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that performs these acts, that executes these missions, beloved people. And when you look at John chapter 15, verse 25, again, very powerfully spoken there, we have seen that entry to the kingdom of God is determined by the Holy Spirit, that unless one is born of water and the Spirit, unless you are born of the Spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Meaning, the Holy Spirit is very central in the salvation of the cross. That is just how mighty the Holy Spirit is to the body of Christ, beloved people. John 15, I'm reading verse 25. And this is what he says. He says, but this is to fulfill what is written in the law. They, again, John, John chapter fifteen twenty-five. we can begin from 24. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now that they have sinned these miracles, and yet they have hated both me, and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written of the law. They hated me without reason. When the counselor comes, whom I will send you from God the Father, from my Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father in heaven, he will testify about me. And you also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning. What is he saying here? He's saying that the execution of the judgment that will befall the unrepentant heart is going to be done by the Holy Spirit. He says, 
saying, now that they have heard and seen the miracle and seen the wonder work, it is the Holy Spirit that will hold them to account now. He says, if they had not seen, that would be a different thing. But now that they have seen the works of the Spirit, as I do execute my ministry, as I do my ministry on the earth here, he says, now they shall be held to account by the Holy Spirit. But this is an amazing situation, because at this point we also see that uh, the Lord Jehovah and the Lord Jesus in this place, he is saying that the three persons of the Godhead appear together, and yet they are distinct. That is the message you hear coming through there. That is the undercurrent you hear in this conversation. In John 16, verse 7, the same thing. John 16, verse 7. He goes on to say, Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. Again, the undercurrent in all this is that you hear now the Lord saying that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the three persons of the Godhead, the triune God, the triunity of God, the trinity of God, they appear together and yet distinct and yet separated, including in the book of Mark chapter 1, verses 10 to 11, which I'm going to read shortly, beloved, including the book of Mark chapter 1, 2 verses 10 to 11. You hear him saying that they are really distinct. And this is what he says here now. He says, verse 9, At that time Jesus came from Nazareth in the Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw Heaven being torn open, meaning rendered open, like tear open or roll away. He saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Like a dove, meaning not a dove, but like a dove. And a voice from heaven, You are my son, who I love. And with you, I am well pleased. Again, you see that the triunity of God is acting together. And yet, the undercurrent tells you, distinct, separate. So this is a very powerful thing, beloved people, that we may get to learn more about the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is actually God. He is Jehovah Yahweh himself. So, in those tremendous dreams, when he comes down as the dove to speak with me. So that is Jehovah Yahweh himself coming down. Even when he came carrying the cup of the wrath of God and he poured it from above and he poured down, that is Jehovah Yahweh himself executing judgment. Precious people. The second important attribute about the Holy Spirit I want to talk about during this lunch hour session 
is that the Holy Spirit is a person. A person. The Holy Spirit is a person. And I want to walk with you stepwise to bring to you this, and this will affect the way you relate with him, because now you know that he is this enormous God. Even when the neutron stars have to be shaken, when the Lord sent me up into the galaxies to shake the neutron stars and shake the universe, it is the Holy Spirit that facilitates me. When the Lord sent me up and I give the prophecy many years back, 13 years ago, and you see me use my hand to shake like this, say, with this hand, I'll shake in the universe. It is the Holy Spirit that I execute that facilitates that ministration by the servant that speaks with you today. So today I want to look at also the person of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit as a person. And then you find that this is a very important opening for the church, that you may relate with him, speak with him, walk with him, in this way, it's kind of uh, smoothened out, it's dissolved out at this place. But remember, you can never, ever blaspheme him. As for me, the Holy Spirit is a person because when the Lord was calling me, he presented the person of the Holy Spirit who first met me and sat down and spoke with me. And he has spoken with me severally. In many places, I can count them in the United States, in Kenya here severally, in Tapachula, Mexico, many places, sat down and spoke with me. And many times, really, not just one. Sometimes he sits and he sings a song first before he speaks with me. A person, a person. One of the songs he sings is, Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. Holy Thou art welcome in this place, omnipotent Father of mercy and grace. Thou art welcome in this place. Singing, he sits and sings. He sits right before me and sings, and then we have a conversation. Then he talks to me about what God the Father has said, what the Godhead has said, the triune God, the Trinity has said. And it's a tremendous moment when he speaks about mission, speaks about direction, speaks about things to come, what the Lord wants me to do, where he wants me to head to. It's a tremendous moment, beloved people. So for me, God the Holy Spirit, even now, right now, even as the Lord has doubled his servant and revealed the two uh, dreadful witnesses of Revelation 11, the Holy Spirit is at the very center of that conversation. In fact, the person of the Holy Spirit always appears, and there's always a three-way conversation. It's a tremendous time in the history of the church. So as for me, I can say this to you, that it is my one and only friend. That's why I go all over the earth saying, Holy Spirit, you are my one and only friend. Look, I have no other friend on the earth. Holy Spirit, my partner. For many, many, many years I've gone all over the earth saying, you are my partner. I remember too well at that calling when the Lord, after three days, then he did what he did and changed my body. And then after that, then the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit stood on the other side and he laughed. 
And then he said, from this day on, the Holy Spirit is your only witness. And that's why always I go everywhere globally saying, the Holy Spirit is my only witness. So for me, I relate with him in person. He comes to me, he sits, he's sent to me, he sits and he speaks with me, the person of the Holy Spirit, his dream. And he passes the message audibly, verbally, he speaks. I just want you to know that the Holy Spirit is a person. And if he is a person, then that means the Holy Spirit must have a mind. These aspects about person, personality. He must have a mind, he must have a will, and he must have emotion. Those are the three strong pillars, plus more. There are more now. Emotional quotient, which is emotion. But there is more now. But those three pillars essentially define person, personality, a person. A mind, the will, and emotion. And so, if the Holy Spirit is a person, then surely he has to have a mind, a will, and emotion. And we will look at it very briefly now. It says, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Now, that is very powerful. The first one I gave you, the Holy Spirit can appear before me. Many times has appeared before me and spoken. That is now a person, personality. He can speak. He can speak. He must speak. So we go to the grieving of the Holy Spirit. Can we turn to the book of Acts, chapter 8, verse 29? Those are the components that constitute, that build a person, define a person, personality, beloved people. The Holy Spirit is a person. The book of Acts, chapter 8, I want to look at this aspect of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the person. That he can sit with me and speak. Sits right before me and speak. It's tremendous. Because if you understand that the Holy Spirit is Jehovah Yahweh, then it overwhelms you. The book of Acts chapter 8, verse 29, it says the following. I start from 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Candace, queen of Ethiopians, the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship the Lord, to worship. Verse 28, and on his way home was sitting on his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked? And so forth and so forth until he was baptized. So you can see the Holy Spirit can speak, beloved people. The book of Acts 11, 12. He can speak. For me, it's different. He speaks to me audibly by voice and many times by voice. Even tonight, it's a non-stop conversation. 
non-stop every day and several times a day, even when I'm sitting down and talking to people and I fall asleep, then he speaks to I hear the voice. Everybody knows. I tell them, I have heard the voice. And he has spoken to me by voice. He has said this. The voice. The book of Acts chapter 11 verse 12. It's a tremendous time in the history of the church, beloved people. The Holy Spirit is a person. So he can speak. He can speak to you. You can speak to him. One time I cried. These are more personal. I was crying right before him. When he was telling me, he sat before me and he said, don't go this way. He told me, don't go this way and don't eat that food that is poisoned. You're going to be poisoned. He said, if I were you, I would not eat it. Don't eat that food. And so I wept. I was weeping. And I said, okay, tell the father I love him very much. Then he said, no, the father loves you very much. He has sent me to tell you that he loves you, but don't eat that food. So he leads you. He guides you. He's your guide, your counselor, your teacher, your trainer, your confidence. The book of Acts chapter 11. You can relate to the Holy Spirit as a friend. For me, the Lord made him my partner on this mission. The book of Acts chapter 11 verse 12. Starting verse 11. It says, Right then three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. Verse 12. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. Again, the whole, you can read on. The Holy Spirit speaking. Speaking audibly. Even here, the other day when he said, when he was speaking about righteousness, righteousness. And when the Father, when God the Father comes to speak with me, it's a different situation. And I get to know that he makes me know that that's God the Father. In fact, when he finishes, he always says, and it shall be known that the Lord God has spoken from where he is. He puts a thick dust and then he speaks, sometimes very close. But the Holy Spirit, the person, can relate with the church. The church can speak it. He can pray for the church. The book of Acts chapter 13 verse 2, same thing. The Holy Spirit speaks. He speaks. Those are the attributes of personality of a person. And then number two. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Now, for the Holy Spirit to be grieved, he must have emotion. Only when the Holy Spirit has emotion can he be grieved. And what are the things that grieve him? That you may know that you cannot do those things. He's grieved by sin. That means the Holy Spirit can hear our words and he sees our deeds and our evil, the evil of humanity, of the church, troubles his heart. The evil of the world troubles him. He gives him trouble. He feels grief. Meaning he's offended. He feels offended also. He also feels grieved when people refuse to accept the dispensation of grace he brought, the gospel of the grace that he brought, that he inaugurated at Pentecost. He is also tremendously grieved when people show contempt towards him, unto him. When you contempt his name, when you contempt his work, when you contempt his office, when you contempt his person. So sometimes you need to be very careful when people, anyone tries to contempt the work of the Holy Spirit. 
reason the Lord says you cannot blaspheme the Holy Spirit is because he has healed the blind man. He has opened the eyes of a blind man. And the Pharisees came and said, look, he has used evil spirits to open the eyes of that blind man. And then the Lord said, no, just a moment. Remember, you can never be forgiven. You can never be forgiven when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. These works of the Holy Spirit. And this generation is blasphemous. This generation is blasphemous. Sometimes you see them commit blasphemy. You can see it on the web. You can see a blasphemy and you feel sorry for the person. You say, wow, you've crossed the red line. So you can never contempt his name, his works, his person, his office, his power, his mission, his identity, his nature. You cannot. That one, even God the Father warned that you cannot touch him. And Christ the Messiah himself once said, you cannot touch the Holy Spirit. You cannot blaspheme him. You cannot grieve him. So we have seen that he can appear and sit with me and speak with me. The attributes, the characteristics, the pillars that make one a person. He can be grieved. Meaning he has emotion. The pillars that make one a person. He has a will. The Holy Spirit has a will. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. He has a will. The attributes of a person. The characteristics of a person. Of a personality, being a person. He says, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, he says the following. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. To mute idols, beloved people. Therefore, I tell you, that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. That is too central, beloved people. That is so fundamental in the Christian faith. That is tremendous. That is such a big role. A pivotal role of the Holy Spirit. And you see very clearly here, He's raising red flags on the Holy Spirit here. That you cannot touch him. But he's saying that again, you cannot identify Christ except that the Holy Spirit has helped you, has facilitated you, has enabled you. Even to receive Christ to know that this is Jesus. Jesus is Lord. He is my Lord. Let me surrender my life to Him. The Holy Spirit has first of all to assist you, to help you. How instrumental, beloved people. And He talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And many, so you see, He gives the Spirit also according to His will. To whomsoever He chooses according to His will. So 
Although he has the will, you can read on all the way. He has the will, beloved people. Even the gifts he dispenses in the church. He gives the gifts to the church according to whom he will, according to his will. But the role becomes very central in this scripture here. That you cannot even receive Jesus except by the Holy Spirit. That no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. How powerful the Holy Spirit. And yet the church has not worshipped the Holy Spirit. The church has not... I remember when I first arrived into the scene, the first thing I began to say in 2004 is that let us worship the Holy Spirit. Let us have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I began to pray out in the big meeting, saying, Holy Spirit, you are my one and only friend. You are my partner. I worship you. And I used to call him, the ble- I still do, the Blessed One of Israel. That's the name I was referring him to. I was using to refer him. So, he has a will. We have seen that he can speak. He can be grieved because he has emotion. Now we see that he has a will. The Holy Spirit can fellowship with believers. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. Second Corinthians 13, 14. He can fellowship with believers. You may read the entire chapter when you get time. Second Corinthians chapter 13, precious people. Verse 14, it says, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. He can fellowship with you. And that's why those who have shared the table with me, you've heard me say, Holy Spirit, may you fellowship with us at this meal today, at this table. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does fellowship with Christian believers. That is a more closer relationship so you can speak with him. He can pray for you. He can guide you. He will show you things. That fellowshipping is part of his personality. Person. And the Holy Spirit too searches the heart, the deep things about God. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 10. It searches deep into the hearts of people and it searches deep things about God. So blessed people, the Holy Spirit is this enormous force Jehovah Yahweh. But he is a person. And that's why he takes residence. He comes and dwells in us. The Holy Spirit can dwell in us. First Corinthians chapter three, verse sixteen. The Holy Spirit can dwell in in the Christian. First Corinthians three sixteen says, Do you not know? Don't you know you yourselves are God's temple? Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? Read uh, King James. Again, First Corinthians chapter three verse sixteen he says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defileth the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let's read NIV. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? 
and that God's Spirit lives in you, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. That is pretty strong. For God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. It's amazing, because he says, we are God's temple. The temple of the Holy Spirit is now equal to the temple of God. That is very powerful. But here now, he's talking about the fact that the person of the Holy Spirit can dwell inside the Christian, can enter the heart of the believer and live there and guide him and counsel him and warn him on sin and instruct him on the nature of Christ and tell him that Christ is holy and tell him the kingdom of God is holy and tell him that they need to crucify the flesh and live the spiritual life that they need to shun evil, that they need to endeavor, and he will assist them. He will facilitate them to overcome the world, like he helped Christ to overcome the earth, and the world, and the moral decay, and the systems of this earth. Christ Jesus overcame even the laws of nature. He walked on water because of the facilitation of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22 also. This is very powerful, beloved people. So now, the church can relate with the Holy Spirit. And yet when you look at the Trinity of God, he says in Matthew 28 from verse 17, 16 is better, Matthew 28, he talks about this wonderful relationship, this mighty Holy Spirit now is the person of the Holy Spirit relating with the church, but he's so mighty again. Very mighty, absolutely mighty. Tremendously mighty. You cannot even touch him or you can't even grieve him. Matthew 28 from verse 16, he says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Thomas, we are reminded here. Then Jesus came to them and said, Authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go out there and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of God the Father, of God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always even unto the very end of the age. But the part I want to pull out there, beloved people, is the fact that here he comes now as the Holy Spirit, the person. The person of the Holy Spirit. He has a will. He can speak. He has emotion. He can fellowship with you. But in that, in that humility, he is then very big. He is Jehovah Yahweh. Because he's telling us here that they are equal. They go baptize them in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He is equal. He has an equal authority and share within the Godhead, the triunity of the Godhead. What an enigma here. What a mighty, mighty help the church has here. And so, he's so mighty. He is 
the Godhead. He is the third person of the Godhead, and they are equal. That's what he's saying in this baptism. In other words, the Holy Spirit is omnipresent then. The book of Psalm 139, verse 7, beloved people, as I finish now. Psalm 139, verse 7. And he says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? He says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? Amplified, he says, Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I flee from your presence? Again, the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He's present everywhere. No wonder he can occupy the heart of every Christian that's willing to take him. At the same time, across time, since the church was inaugurated. The Holy Spirit was involved in creation. We saw the book of Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. When he was moving. That's omnipotent. Omnipotent. He supported, he was involved in that creation then. He has the attributes of God. The Holy Spirit is God, beloved people. He is Jehovah Yahweh. Nobody can touch the Holy Spirit. Nobody, nobody across time and nation can touch the Holy Spirit. You cannot. He was involved in creation. He brought us Christ Jesus the Messiah. He revealed the Messiah at the Jordan River. He baptized him there with fire. He anointed him and empowered him for his public ministry to go do the job. He crucified him. He resurrected him. He raptured him back to heaven. He is busy preparing a glorious church now. And is restraining back the dominion of darkness until the rapture. Only he shall present the glorious bride to the Messiah, to the bridegroom, the husbandman. And he has now brought into the scene the two dreadful witnesses of Yahweh. He's the one who has doubled them. And you should hear the conversation, the three-way conversation, when the three meet. It's tremendous, beloved people. Talking about the future. Talking about the mission. Talking about the duty. Talking about what is ahead. The destruction of darkness that is coming. And the duty therein. You can call him the chief of operations. The Holy Spirit is very central to the church, beloved people. He is Jehovah Yahweh. He is the third person of the triune God, the Trinity. He has been in the Trinity even before time began. He can execute judgment. I know that when he comes like the dove, many people have said it represents humility, innocence, humbleness, and all that. Which is true. But I have seen the Holy Spirit, like a dove, execute the judgment of the Lord. In fact, with his feet carrying the white glorious cup from heaven, when heaven opened, and he descended all the way from there, Tanzania, I saw also. One of the places, the few places of the Lord where I was at when that kind of visitation took place. Mbea, Tanzania, near the border with Zambia. When I was having a conference there, big conference down there, 
Then that night, that is what happened. And they descended down. And the feet were carrying that cup full of the wrath of God. Many poured it like this. And I understood. No one can blaspheme his name. No one can blaspheme his person. No one can blaspheme his works. There is no pardon for those that blaspheme him. There is no provision within the blood covenant of Jesus to pardon anyone that blasphemes the Holy Spirit. There is no availability. There is nothing available. There is no avenue for pardon to those that blaspheme the Holy Spirit. There is no pardon availed at the Calvary cross for the blasphemers of the Holy Spirit. There is no pardon provided for a covenant of the grace for the blasphemers of the Holy Spirit. Blasphemers of the Holy Spirit. It is an eternal sin. It's an irredeemable sin. An irredeemable condition. It's an irredeemable situation. If you blaspheme the works of the Holy Spirit, the name of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, the office of the Holy Spirit, the nature of the Holy Spirit, you cannot. There is no provision within the covenant of the blood of Jesus to forgive anybody that blasphemes the Holy Spirit. The covenant of Jesus did not take care of that. That was left out. That was beyond the covenant of Jesus. That is the red line you cross and you are done. It's an eternal sin. You reach an irredeemable faith. The Holy Spirit. And he is the one navigating the prophets of God, speaking to them, channeling to them information, and telling them what to do, and empowering them unto the mission. The 633 cripples that stood up, stood up in Kenya here, got up and walked when I did the healing services here in the name of the Lord Jesus, and they got up and walked in the big revival that is still throbbing on until now. It is he that facilitates that ministry in the lives of the prophets. You can never be born again except that you are born of the Spirit. Jesus said that to be born again, one must be born of the Holy Spirit. And you can never see the kingdom of God, we've seen that also, except that you are born of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. He is the third person of the triune God. He is Jehovah Yahweh. He can speak. He can be grieved, meaning he has motion. He has a will. He has a mind. He can fellowship with people. So essentially, you cannot contempt his name. You cannot contempt him. You cannot show contempt unto his name. You cannot blaspheme him. You cannot contempt his person. His office, his word, his name. He is grieved by sin. He hears what people say. He sees what they do, their deeds. He's troubled by them. He's offended. He's grieved. And he intercedes for those he chooses to intercede for. He's omnipresent. He's present everywhere. He is omniscient. He is omnipotent. 
He is an equal member of the Godhead, the triune God. Beloved people, the Holy Spirit, His name is Jehovah Yahweh. Fear and honor the Holy Spirit. Shalom. Thank you. May the Lord bless you. Shalom. Toda. Toda. Raba. Toda. Lachem. Toda. Haverim.